Okay, I'm going to attempt to drown myself. You can try this at home. You can be just like me. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Juice is eating a uh, ice cream with uh, lots of caramel. I just had a, a ice cream sandwich, M&M's on the M&M beat. Ironically, yeah, yeah. Three years. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Okay, I'm the type to come in the game and just launch pain With a bronze frame and a tattoo of my mom's name This industry has nothing to offer beyond fame Time to take these niggas to school, LeBron James Lesson one, I'm a bad teacher Hey! Gotta let the juice floor part play out I am This shit's fucking fire I love this We, uh, I love we really this missed we, we really missed out on his ability to do like traditional rap songs he didn't do too many, did he? No, he's fucking nasty. Like, have you ever listened to his freestyles? Uh, well, the Eminem one I did, yeah. The, the Eminem one, it's, it's a fucking... No, it's a fucking hour of him doing Eminem beats. Um, and he had another one that was another hour of just random songs. Um, yeah, he was incredible. He just didn't rap rap a lot. Yeah. Um, he did that new shit that everyone was doing because it was, I don't know, easier to produce on a fucking computer when you're poor. Because <laughs> you just have to add, like, effects. I don't know. Yep. It just, uh, it's too bad. Gone too soon. R.I.P. Yeah, Juice World. I gotta watch that documentary. You know, it's a new song. Uh, it's phenomenal. Corday signed, Corday signed to Shady Records, so he's... Oh, uh, he did? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's why. That's why it's out, yeah. Okay. I, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Corday, actually, after listening to that song, and he's pretty nasty. So that's another person Eminem's not going to do anything with for his entire <laughs> career. Good for you, Eminem. Probably not. Probably not. Fucking every time someone's hot, Eminem signs them, and outside of 50 Cent, they don't do anything. Well, he does it's a lot of... awful. He does a lot of producing in the in the background, but it's just the record industry of what it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, is not the same. You yeah, but like even uh, Griselda. He signed yeah. Griselda when Griselda was hot, and they... I don't even think they released an album. No. Uh, so, Yeah. So, let's start the show. We have a busy show this week. We did see a movie we're going to talk about in a little bit. But first, we're going to start off with a Fat Fucks segment. Some crazy food news I wanted to bring up this week. The FDA, um, they decided to give a ruling for this group out of L.A., I believe, to do lab-grown meat. It was going to be chicken and sell it in the store. The FDA gave them the ability to do that. Um, before that, it had to be approved, and it's been approved. I think it has to go through the agricultural department. But um, what they can do is they can, instead of killing an animal, they can go in and molecularly create this meat through chemicals and make something that tastes and looks identical or kind of looks identical. It's not like a fake burger, but it is the real chemical construct of what a meat would be. A piece of chicken in this case. Um, and it's going to be happening in LA. Um, and I believe Bill Gates' company is in charge of it. So um, That makes yeah. sense. They're launching in LA. Yep. So many restaurants out there are, like, vegan and just, like, stuff like that. Kevin Smith talks about that stuff all the time. 
Of course, you get the Impossible Burgers, the Beyond Burgers, but those are plant-based. Yep. This is totally different. This is actual yeah. meat composed yep. of chemicals. So yep. it'd be interesting to see where this goes. Um, could be the future. I know. I know. Peta. Not my crazy. future. Well, not well. You never. I would. I would. Wouldn't mind trying it as long as. Have you it's tried an Impossible? Approved. I have not. But that's different. Though. It's that's, actually that's not bad. Plant, it's plant-based. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not real meat, and it actually does have the meat consistency. That's weird. From what I heard from, it, um, like, I've heard around that Burger King's Impossible Burger it has more <laughs> calories and fat intake than the actual burger. Yeah. So, yeah, I that's, don't know. That's true. So, yeah. They also got sued for cooking their uh, Impossible Burgers on the same grill as yes, their I regular heard, burgers. I heard that, too. I heard that, too. Yep. It's a good thing we don't do that where I work. Pause. <laughs> we just <laughs> let the pause run out. <laughs> Wendy's uh, coming oh, soon this, to this the looks United States. Amazing. A caramel apple. A caramel apple frosty. Uh, I know they just recently had a strawberry frosty. I've tried it a couple times. It's not that good. This does sound is, really does good. It just taste like a strawberry. It tastes like it, it just tastes like a bad artificial strawberry. Like at least a strawberry oh, milkshake. Really? Yeah, strawberry milkshake is it, kind so of it's, it's a strawberry. So it's not like uh, McDonald's. Strawberry milkshake. It's no, no, not at all. No, it's, it's good. It's a very, art, very artificial flavoring. Okay, um, I'm yeah. all set with that. Then. But this caramel apple. I mean, that's that sounds really good. Looks like especially if they uh, put caramel on it. That's what it looks like too. It looks like it does yeah. have caramel. So we'll have to wait and see. I think I think it's been tested around the country and maybe around the world. Um, but they're going to be going around the U.S. So that'd be cool. And finally, actually, a couple more things. Pepsi on July 4th, which is going to be coming out the day after. Uh, after this, the day after this will be coming out, um, Pepsi flavored ketchup. It's going to be exclusive to baseball stadiums around the country. I think uh, Detroit, Minneapolis, Yankee Stadium, and Phoenix. Um, it's going to be a Pepsi infused ketchup that they're going Sounds to be disgusting. putting on hot dogs and stuff in the stadiums. It does sound Pepsi disgusting. sucks, anyways. Very limited I hate time. Pepsi. Um, when I used to drink cola, yeah, Coke was always my favorite. It has more flavor. Yeah. Pepsi is just I'm very generic. I'm cherry Coke right now. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, and the last thing I wanted to bring up, KFC is launching an ultimate barbecue chicken sandwich sometime in July. It's going to have a, I don't know if you have, by the way, have you had the, the chicken sandwich at KFC? The new one? The double down? No, oh, no. no this is a brand new chicken breast. Um, very juicy, very good. Um, they put mayonnaise, pickles on it. I get it without pickles, but it is very, very good. Do they do a uh, spicy version like? Uh, they do, like well, they with do. a spicy mayonnaise. Yep, spicy mayonnaise too. Okay, um, I'll, I'll try that one. But this if one, I ever see a KFC. This, this one comes out in July. It's a that crispy, the new crispy fillet that they put on those sandwiches. But they honey barbecue sauce. They have a great honey barbecue sauce. They Crisp, do crispy fried onions, smoked bacon, cheese, pickles on a brioche, brioche bun. It comes out in July. It's a barbecue burger. I can't. I mean, chicken sandwich. I can't wait. I mean, I, I yeah, love that, chicken sandwiches. That sounds good. Me and too. I, uh, what's your favorite out of all the big ones? Is it still one, Chick Fil A? That one's well. If it was around here, maybe. But this one, close being close by, is one of my favorites. Okay. Um, uh, to me, Popeyes. Uh, I haven't tried Cajun it. chicken sandwich is the best uh, by far. But I haven't had to try. I haven't tried the KFC one. I love the Popeyes one with the little spicy mayo. And uh, it's super juicy, and very good. Yeah, I hear that. I hear it's good. None around here, but I hear I hear it's really good. I'd like to try yeah. that too. I used to get it when I went up to Portland. I used to go to the main mall like once or twice a summer, nice. and uh, there's one up there. Yes. 
So yeah, that's our Fat Flux food for the week. But one thing I wanted to bring up this week, we haven't talked about wrestling in a very, very long time. It's we did a year funny long... you put this on the notes because what? I was watching Secret Invasion okay. and I got about 15 minutes into it and I said, I want to shoot myself in the fucking head. So I put on King of the Ring 1998 yep. and watched it start to finish and had a fucking great time. If we, if we had continued our rewatch this week... Would have been the 25th yep. anniversary of the Hell in a Cell match with Mankind and Undertaker. And that's why I'm bringing this up. One of the first matches, like big, huge, five-star matches I remember seeing. This is my favorite match of all time. I've seen it really? so many. Oh, it definitely is. It's, a, the, the it's in my top five. The storytelling story that this match did just changed the way I looked at wrestling. Mm-hmm. Looked at how wrestling is portrayed in the, in the real media. I mean, not not necessarily media, but the the naysayers of wrestling and how they think it's fake. And seeing what Mick Foley did to himself in this match, throwing himself off the top of a cage, throwing himself through a cage, and then throwing himself through tacks, and at the very end coming out after the match is over and interfering in the in the main event. <laughs> this wasn't even yep. the main event of the show, which just blows my mind too. But yep. Mick, Fo- Mick Foley did a great podcast last week talking about the 25th uh, anniversary with Conrad. Um, he did a video on Facebook with with The Undertaker, a retrospective video. Um, they both did a rewatch watch along of the of the match. Um, Mick Foley, a lot of his injuries came from this match. They came from a lot of things, but this one is like the train wreck that you, or the car wreck that you hear in his theme song in the 90s, in the late 90s. It destroyed this match, your body. This match is the equivalent of somebody that does cocaine every day for 10 years and then their body gets fucked up 30 years after they're done doing cocaine because it fucked with them so bad. When he, com- when he comes down to the ring, he starts climbing the ring. He starts climbing the cage. Gets on top. It's a 16-foot steel cage. Gets on top of the cage and calls the Undertaker up. The Undertaker climbs up. And that's where the match starts. For the very, very first time, number one... This is the what second King uh, uh, King second, of the Ring match. Yep. Uh, uh, second I mean, Hell in a Cell. The first one was the previous September with, with uh, right? Shawn Michaels. Ninety-seven. Yep. Shawn Michaels in ninety-seven. So Mick Foley wanted to obviously top that one because Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker one is most notably probably the best. Would you say it's the best one besides this? I mean, maybe. Oh, I, I have this one way above that one, but I also yeah. didn't see that one live. I just heard about right. it for about five years before I finally saw it. Okay. Um, and at the time, I think it was the only match that Pro Wrestling Illustrated ever gave five stars in WWE. In WWE. Yep. In the, yeah, it was the first one in North America, I think, that was ever given a mm-hmm. five star. I think that's what it was. But, um, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy match. Like I said, it starts off there. And the minute Mick Foley gets tossed off the top of the cage into the announce tables, it looks like he get, got killed. It looks like he got oh, yeah. murdered by The Undertaker, and there's no way to fake that. You could pad the, you could pad that. He was dropped 16 feet to the floor, and he went through the table, and he just crushed his body. If he was off by an inch, he would have been dead. And then he ends up climbing back up the cage. Undertaker... Choke slams him into the cage, and the cage breaks loose because it's it, the the difference between this cage and the first cage in 1997 is they used it with a lot of of, uh, of those industrial uh, what are they ties the uh, you know what I mean the zip those ties, ties zip ties 
And they didn't hold the weight of those two, especially when you're choke slamming McFoley through, and they all it was broke. Supposed to gradually give. They yes. thought that it would have gradually given, and it just went through on the first. Yep, and he attempt. got he got choke slammed through the cage to the bottom of the mat, a fall that is ridiculous. Yep. McFoley 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 stands up, and you see a t- tooth hanging out of his nose. It goes through his mouth, up into his nose, and his tooth is hanging out of his nostril. And then they bring in Tex. <laughs> well, at this point, too, Mick didn't even know. Mick was out of he was, it. He, he had, had a concussion. concussion. He had a concussion. And, uh, and he didn't know yeah, it. He doesn't time. remember anything. He doesn't remember anything after climbing back up to the top of the cell. Yep. Doesn't remember anything. Um, but they brought out the tax, put him down on the ground, and he got choke slammed through the tax as well. Or was it? It was tombstone yeah, he, through the tax. He got choke slammed, and then. Yeah, choke slammed because they were on his back. Yep. And he. Didn't even know when he got back to the locker room. He thought he would yep. apologize because he, he missed the tax spot. Because <laughs> yep. no I listened to Bruce Pritchard this week, and Bruce <laughs> is like, uh, you have tax sticking out of your back, and what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Crazy match. If any, We've been doing this podcast for a little over a year. Actually, almost two years. It's been a year since we started the Wrestling Attitude Era rewatch that we did. Talk about wrestling a lot. If you were to watch any match, I suggest go back to this one. King of the Ring, 1998 of June, 1998. It's the second-to-last match of the night with Mick Foley and The Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell. It's an incredible match. I think it's about 25 minutes. It's just the storytelling of what this match told, and especially what it told and what, what would happen later on. The... I don't know, hardcore, everything, or yes. ECW, or whatever, the, the extremeness of wrestling, what what end up becoming after this, is just an incredible story. And Mick Foley, what he did for wrestling, this match is the persona non grata of what that is. It's just yep. incredible. I recommend that highly. Kevin gave me a text this week, or yesterday, Saying yes. that you will not believe who came into my restaurant <laughs> today. And he wouldn't tell me who it was. I'm sure he wanted to wait till the podcast to reveal. Yes. Because, yep. Who the uh, so, is. you well, had a game a, lined up, but we, give a back, we didn't. Give a, give a background of your restaurant. You've had people, you've had celebrities yeah, d- come into your store and into your restaurant in, in summers past. Dave Cook eats here once every two years or so. Um, or a tourist. Tom now. Glavin. Yeah, Tom yeah, Glavin from the uh, Hall of Fame, MLB Hall of Famer, has eaten okay. there a few times. Um, Pussycat Dolls, because one of them was dating Dane Cook at one time. Okay, yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, we've had, like, random people like that. Um, so I'm going to see if you can guess it with an IMDb game. Okay. Or a reverse IMDb game. The IMDb game is... So we're going to talk about John Williams later. So yeah. his IMDb... Is the first four? So I'd ask you, you know, what do you think is his top four? Okay. His top four. Uh, what do you think is his top four mentioned on IMDb? His top John four Williams. movies. Oh, John Williams. It, it could be. See, the thing is, like, something like Spielberg stuff, because it could be producer, could be writer, could be director. But with John Williams, um, Star yes. Wars. What do you indie. think? Star Wars indie. Uh, Jurassic Park. And Jaws. Okay. Uh, almost. Uh, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, uh, Superman, and Jaws. Okay. Yeah, I was um, going to say Superman. The one, for, the one for Star Wars is actually listed as additional orchestra. Okay. Not even like, you know, hmm. not even conductor. So okay. I'm going to give you 
this person's IMDb, and you let me know if you can figure it out. I think it's it should be pretty easy. Okay. So, first up, Pixels. Did you ever see Pixel, Pixels? Yes. yes. Okay. Second, 21. 21. Third. That's the, 21. Is that the, uh, that's the one about the, the, uh, the blackjack. gambling? Blackjack. Yep. Okay. Beauty and the Beast live action. And this one's probably going to give it away. I know, I know who it is. It's um, Frozen. It's... Frozen? Josh Gad? Yep. Oh, no shit. Yep. Josh Gad was up at the novel um, and got takeout from Foxes. No shit. Apparently, or something. He was up there doing his thing. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Celebrity sightings. Wow. Yes. Shout out to Josh Gad. <laughs> we'll tag you on our podcast this week. <laughs> uh, so what we watched this week, Kevin already brought up Secret Invasion. We'll bring that up in a minute. But we did see Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Kevin, you were going to see it today. Why did you see it last night? Is it because of my uh, my raving review of it after I saw no, it? No, because I like to do nothing on my day off at all. Okay, so if I, I There's a 10 o'clock show, so I figured worst case I'll get there at 10 and be home at like 1.30. Um, but I got sent home uh, at like 8, so I went to the 8.15. And I got, it was perfect because I got there and the, the uh, previews had just ended. Cool. So I didn't have to deal with that bullshit. Nice. So... This movie had a lot of controversy going into it. It was it debuted at Cannes, and the critics which is went the nuts. wrong place to debut it. Yep, critics went critics went nuts bashing it. I think at one point it was like forty or thirty percent of Rotten Tomatoes. It's gone up since then, but there was yeah. only a few reviewers that reviewed it at the time. Yeah. Um, for me, going in and watching this movie, first reactions, I fucking loved it. I thought, well, now. Like I told Kevin in the text, I'm also the one that loved Crystal Skull. The one. The one. <laughs> the whole entire country that loved Crystal Skull. I thought this was incredible. I thought it was great. I thought it was an, a great ending to his story. I think it could have been a lot different if it turned the way that I thought it was at the end. And then, and then you know that twist I'm talking about? Yes, we're going to talk about that later. I want to know yep. what your thoughts were on that. Yep, and we'll talk about it at the end. But and I still think it'll be divisive for some people. It will be. Similar to the end of Crystal Skull. But I think it'll there be in a better are... way because the movie, the movie is... Well, is a better made movie. Yep. There are sci-fi elements like every Indiana Jones movie. This one plays it a lot better than Crystal Skull. Um, of course, Dial of Destiny, we've kind of mentioned it on the show, has a lot to do with time. Yep. Um, and we'll get to that at the end of the review. But I did love this movie a lot. It's probably, out of all the movies I've seen this year, and we've seen a lot of good movies. I mean, Spider-Man, we've seen Guardians. This is probably the one that I had a lot of fun the most with. I had the most yep. fun with. Um, uh, for me, uh, I'll just say that I felt like a kid again watching this film. It felt yep. like I was watching them for the first time. You saw them. You saw them much later in life too. So you yep. probably that could be one reason why you liked Crystal Skull so much more than other because it wasn't I'm like taking, that, taking yeah. apart your childhood. Yep. Like for me, like growing up, like you ripped on Temple of Doom, but even though it's obviously the third in the original when it was a trilogy uh that was yes. one of mine and a lot of other people's favorite as a yes, kid it is. especially because uh with short round yeah. like it kind of gave you a look in just inside of like what it'd be like to hang out with indiana jones as like a 10 year old um but that movie did not age good at all um talking about temple of doom but uh this one i felt like a kid again the entire time and james mangold out spielberg spielberg and it yeah he killed it he fucking <laughs> killed it i can't i couldn't believe I can't believe the decisive or divisive. What is the word? Because I fucked it up last week. The decisive. Divisive. Divisive. 
uh, between between what the critics said and what the fans are saying, or what you and I right. are saying of how great this movie is, um, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of how I felt with Crystal Skull, but a lot of more people are on my side this time, which is yeah. pretty. Which good. I I was listening to Real Blend today, and they all loved it too. Yeah. Um, so I think it's yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Felt like a kid the entire time I was watching it. I had a smile on my face. Yeah, and me too. Uh, yeah, we'll talk there, about it later. There is a short round like character in this movie that was mm-hmm. kind of useless. I think short round would have been better. But <laughs> you mean eyebrow? Keon Quinn, Quinn, whatever the hell his name is. No, new I mean Kwan. the new kid. His the new kid. I'm just going to call him eyebrow. <laughs> his eyebrow. <laughs> yep. But we'll talk about that later. We have a huge, huge ending to the show planned. So stay tuned. But first, Secret Invasion, Episode 2. Kevin's already mentioned, 15 minutes in, very boring show. It's an insufferably boring show. This is not for Kevin. This show is barely <laughs> for me, but I just love Marvel so much I'm going to continue watching it. I, I tap out when I'm trying to watch something this time of year and I don't get into did it. You, did, um, you watch, did you watch the end of it? No. Did you finish it? No. I'll, I'll tell you about it then. <laughs> Yeah, so the very, <laughs> the very the very beginning, you see Gravik, who's this main character. Um, you see his scr- sc- scroll origin on Earth. You also see Shooter McGavin. You see his character. He's he's a scroll. I knew um, he was in it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he plays a scroll. He's uh, undercover or under in somewhere in the in the government. Um, there's a secret society of scrolls that are kind of controlling everything in the world, and they have this this uh, conclave together that are trying to figure out what to do and how to take over the world and they and they in, uh, uh, induct this Gravix to be the leader this supreme chancellor of the scrolls whatever the fuck they call it this episode does something with the super scrolls it's a very if you know the comic book super scroll is a scroll that has all of these dna samples from in the comic books the fantastic four where they can be invisible they can be fire like the human torch they can have hard skin like the thing they can stretch like mr fantastic obviously they don't have any of those powers yet because the fantastic four are not in the mcu so they're retconning it in the show to be different characters that have shown up in the mcu prior and they're going to be taking their powers and they're going to be turning them into super scrolls and that's what they're hinting to in this episode so they have a list of the characters so far that they've they've got the DNA from. They have DNA from Groot, probably from Infinity War when he was on Earth and he had tree limbs that kind of fell off of him when he was in the battle with um, with Thanos attacking Wakanda. Call Obsidian, another Thanos uh, reject that was uh, had his arm chopped off in Infinity War during the fight with uh, Iron Man, I believe. Um, and the Frost Beasts sent from Jotunheim in Thor the Dark World. Very random character that hasn't been around in a very, very long time. Um, but they're using his powers. And an Iron Man 3 extremist patient. Um, if you remember Iron Man 3 when all those people were kind of blow up. They turn into these fi- like fire blow up creatures. So they're taking yep. these powers of all these people. And they're going to be doing their own version of the Super Scrolls. The problem that I have with this show. it, it They had rushed it. They should have fucking waited. They could have done it the original way that they did with the Fantastic Four, but like everything, they wanted to rush it, they wanted to get on TV. This should have been waited on and done as a epic movie like Infinity War, like Avengers, like Endgame, 
and had the superheroes come in, it would have been a better than this espionage bullshit that they're doing with Fury, with the government, trying to do a Winter Soldier-like story and failing miserably. The other reveal on this show was Fury's wife, who you actually see at the end of the episode, is a scroll. Don't know more than that. All you see is Fury going to his home. When he's walking into the house, she's a scroll, and then she turns turns into a African American woman. I guess in England or, or Europe or United States. I have no fucking idea. Show is confusing. Show is not that good yet. <laughs> um, I still will watch it because I am a Marvel fan. Kevin is more of a DC guy. So I am into it as far as that's concerned because of the bigger picture. Hopefully they don't fuck it up. But the track record for Marvel at this point and when this movie, when this TV show was in production, is not good. So no. we will see. They don't have uh, James Gunn to fall back on either to kind of give them a little bump up like they no. did this year with <laughs> with Guardians. No. And this is before. This is also before Kevin Feige and everybody kind of choked the reins and brought things in. So. Yeah, this is this is this is part of the the whole mess that happened after COVID. When when uh, is this this show went under production when uh, the people that were bankers were still in charge of Marvel, right? Yep. This yep. was one. This was one of the first projects that Marvel wanted to do after Infinity War. Right. And it was rushed. And like I said, it was too rushed. The scrolls should have happened after Fantastic Four. The Super Scrolls, I mean. Um, Secret Invasion should happen with the superheroes. Um, even in this episode, they mentioned, well, maybe we bring the Avengers in and we don't want to yep. bring them in. Fuck that. The Avengers are part of this. The Avengers yeah. could be infiltrated. See, that would have been a great story. See, to me, it's like uh, kind of like Agents of the Shield where you're doing a superhero show without superheroes-ish. Right. Um, so I never really got into Agents of the Shield. I know you watched it. Yeah. Um, but this story should have been closer to the original story and not just what it is because it's not very interesting. If well, you take well, Marvel, if you take the superheroes out of any Marvel story, it's not going to be very good. Well, it's like we mentioned last week. The guy that was directing the or director or was in charge of this show was told not to read the comic books. This show is oh, nothing know. like the comic books. So that tells you right there from the very beginning, the very first week we talked about it. So it'd be like doing a show about fucking Iron Man without before he had his fucking yes. Iron Suit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what I did watch, it kind of put my whole week into skew this week because of what I watched mm. these movies. We're, yes. on a count, we're on a countdown to Mission Impossible. Whatever the movie's called in a couple of weeks, uh, second week of July, I think it comes out. It's the sixth or seventh one, I think. I don't know what the hell it is. Sixth? Seventh? I don't know. But 1996 started with Mission Impossible 1 or 1995 Mission Impossible 1. Of course... They did the TV show in the 60s, I want to say. And yep. this is a re remake, reimagination of this with uh, Tom Cruise. Yep. And uh, Mission Impossible 1 I saw a long, long time I rather, ago. I rather enjoy the first one a lot. Um, but it's also a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a 90s movie, so it's a product of its time. Great and so is, so is the second one. You know what this movie, you know what that movie felt like? The because first or the second? The first one. It felt like okay. GoldenEye. It felt like GoldenEye. Yeah, it felt like a that's GoldenEye. exactly what it felt like. Yep. It felt like a GoldenEye remake. Or it a came out the year copy. after. Yep, yep, exactly. Same exact time period, so it makes sense. So I saw Mission Impossible 2 in the theater, and I fucking hated it. And I remember after I watched it in the, at the house last weekend that how much I hated it. And that's definitely what turned me off of this franchise. And, and that I'm was wondering. also a very big product of its time, because John Woo was like... 
yes. the most successful director in the history of Japan. And he came over here, and I think he was doing Jackie Chan movies or something. And he just and ended he, up getting the Mission Impossible one because so, they wanted more action. It's so funny you said that. I didn't write it in the notes I should have because there were a lot of pause scenes that reminded me of a Jackie Chan or a Japanese yeah. movie. Where it's yeah. like, kind of like those kung fu movies where they do that close-up of the face right as they're about to attack. Yep. There's a lot of that shit. Um, the soundtrack at the time was also popular because it had the Metallica song right before yes. uh, Jason Newstead left. It yep. also had it also had Limp Biscuit doing the theme song for Mission Impossible. Yep. I remember that and I actually had the soundtrack and I traded it for Ride the Lightning, so up for me. Um, whoever got that soundtrack, sorry. I, I don't even know who you are anymore. But I lost track of this then. And I thought I saw the third one, but I guess I didn't. But I thought I saw the third one, and I did not, because I watched it last weekend. And the third one is a fucking amazing movie. Yep. Yeah, as Holy much shit as shit. I give, uh, as much shit as I give J.J. Abrams for Star Wars JJ. and lens flares, he uh, resurrected this. Because if he didn't hit that one out of the park, the series would have been over. And now it's yeah. basically a better version of James Bond than James Bond has been. The, it's a more movie, consistent version of James Bond. The movie starts off with Ethan Hunt. Tom Cruise's character in a normal living situation with a girlfriend yep. living in a home looks like just a regular down down to earth guy you don't even, wouldn't even know he's a fucking spy or CIA or whatever the hell MI6 Mission Impossible whatever the fuck you want to call it you wouldn't even know what he is and then JJ just turns it all around and he's on this secret mission and it's fucking yeah. crazy and the cast it's really good the, the cast Seymour Hoffman oh my, oh my god god Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie, he does not get enough credit for how great of an actor he was. He gets a lot of credit, I mean, yep. obviously, but he's passed since then, and he just he is not up there in the list of potential villains of who could have been a great villain back in the day. He is remarkable in this movie. Yeah, he's very good. the the whole The whole line was, "I'll I'll I'll watch I'll watch I'll let you watch me kill her. Or I'll let her see me kill you, or whatever the hell he says it." Because I'm yeah. not that great of an actor myself, but it's just an incredible line. He's an incredible actor, incredible in this movie, menacing as hell. Just a great all out movie, and I'm actually pumped to watch this series for the very first time. Um, twenty years. yes, I'm pretty sure there's been six. Right, I think Henry Cavill was in the sixth one. Yes, yes. Um, I Henry Cavill. Four um, is awesome, but like the thing about three is it sets up um, everyone that he works with going forward. Well, I believe. Pegg. Simon yeah, Pegg. Simon Pegg Simon is Pegg a was big it. part of it. Yeah, I knew he, he was. becomes a big part of it. Um, yep. And also big going back Rams. to the first one, the first one had uh, John Voight as the bad guy. Yeah, he's also exceptional. Did you know John Voight plays the character, the original main character of the TV show? That's that's his character in yeah, the TV yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, uh, Ethan Hunt is a brand new character for the movie series, but the character that's in, that the, that he played is the main main se- in the yep. TV series. So yeah, great movies. I can't wait to finish those, and we're gonna try to watch that probably in July. Not a lot coming out in July. There's a couple of great ones that we're going to watch definitely. But basically, um, we'll it's that and Oppenheimer. That. Oppenheimer. Yep. I'm probably not gonna see Barbie. No cap. No. no. It, um. No. Although I hear uh, no, no, no. I'm, no I'll wait for streaming. I'm not gonna see it in theaters. Oh, I'll see. I'll see what's on streaming. Yeah, no. I'm not going to take a three-hour time out of my day to go right. to movie theaters and watch that. But the bear, I did not finish it. Just just as a quick, uh, quick thing on yep. that, I've only been halfway. You did through. get to episode six though, so that's good. But I did not finish it. I only got about yep. twenty minutes into it last night. I saw the beginning of the characters. Oh, okay. Oh, you didn't see the be- Oh my god, the best part is the end. 
Um, John John Barenthal awesome. is in episode six. John Barenthal, Bob Bodenkurt, John Mulaney, Jamie Lee Curtis, and that's as far as I've got. It's about fifteen minutes in so far. Okay. Um, yeah, that episode's awesome. Um, so far, Robert Townsend. I wanted to bring him up. He was in one episode. I think he's the uncle or father of the main African American lady. Um, he is sits yeah, on the, the bar father. there and talks. Do you yep. know father? Do you know who he is? Have you ever seen him and stuff? I know the name and I. Recognized him when I saw him, but in the nineties, there is a superhero movie called Meteor Man. Have you ever seen Meteor? Yes, Man? Yes, that's him. Okay. Yes. Growing I up, I always it. thought that was Damon Wayans. No, <laughs> Meteor Man is an awesome, underrated movie. Great, funny, very first yep. black superhero, by the way. Not Spawn, not uh, not Blade. Meteor Man was the very first black superhero. Um, yep. Great movie. Um, also, Will Poulter, who we brought up last week, was in an episode too. I did watch that one. That was a great episode. That's a very great. good episode. He begged to be on that show. He begged yeah. the creators of the show. That's amazing. So, so did Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep, that's cool. Jamie Lee Curtis basically told her agent, uh, "They haven't cast the mom, so I want to play the mom." But I don't want to talk about it too much more because I'm only halfway through. So yep. I know. So what I, do you think of it so far? Oh, it's great. I, this show okay. is it's it's just one of the best shows on television as far as Every, characters. Every episode, starting with episode six, the one you're on, is like five out of five uh, wow. going forward. The one afterwards is fucking incredible. They're all great. Um, like, I can't wait for next week for us just, to talk about Just it. when I think I have a new favorite like character on the show. Like, Richie has been my favorite from the very beginning. Yep. But Oh, God, like, Richie. Oh. Richie, the what he the interactions we had he has with uh, what's his name the uh, fat guy who you said was yeah. a real life chef I can't remember his name on the show um, but Matty Matheson. Yep, yep. The interactions I, I, on the show he's uh, he didn't have a name the first uh, the first season he didn't have a name he was uncredited okay. and his name is Neil now they gave okay. him the name Neil. Well, yeah, he's great. He's great. The interactions between him and Richie are fantastic on the show. Um, yeah, it's just it's just an awesome you'll like, show. You'll like Richie even more. By the end of the season, I guarantee you. Try him trying to him trying to hide all the asbestos and then putting the broom <laughs> up into the ceiling and the asbestos falls on his head. And then is that all you got? And the bucket falls on his head afterwards. <laughs> and in the first season where he, she's like, You got the wrong cock and then he like goes into this like story about like his kid and then he looks at it and he's like, oh, I got the wrong cock. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking funny. I know I've seen him in other things, but he's great in this. I think yeah, was, he was uh, awesome on uh, he was in Andor. Star Wars. Andor, yeah. 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 Uh, you had something written down here, Hollywood. What's that? Oh, yes. So, um, we'll talk about the casting news coming up later. Um, oh, I went and back and watched Hollywood. Oh, yeah, go for it. Oh, talk about this first. I don't want to forget the documentary that you're watching. You started watching, too. Jared from Subway? You want to talk about that first, or you want to talk about that, that after? <laughs> uh, what do you want to talk about I, first, Kevin? I'm watching Jared from Subway, and it's very disturbing. It's on HBO. Um, yeah, highly recommended. I'm like an episode and a half in. Um, but I started watching the show Hollywood after okay. the casting news that came out this week because it stars said right. person that was cast in said right. role that I've been a fan of since since Pearl. Um, Kevin, Kevin and, then, and and then. Well, not just me. I mean, it was kind of a rumor before that, but once I, I mean, once I saw the rumor for the first time, I was like, "Fuck, he would be incredible." Um, but David Cornsweet. It's a show that takes place in the nineteen early fifties or late forties Hollywood, um, and it's basically about people just trying to make it in Hollywood at that time. Uh, he starts working 
as a gas station attendant because he just bombs his first ever like um he tries to go for a roll and just bombs or whatever and so he starts pumping gas this gas station quote-unquote gas station it's he's basically a male gigolo Hmm. um old ladies drive up he gets in their car they go do whatever he comes back and the guy that owns it's like there's somebody special waiting for you in a trailer he goes out back to the trailer, opens it up. There's a guy in there. Shuts the door, and he's like, nope, I quit. So he goes out, and he finds a male prostitute. And he's like, who's a black guy? So the guy is basically, like, can't do anything because he's a black guy in the 1940s. So he basically gets arrested for, like, walking down the street. Um, so he has to do these, like, really shady, like, uh, movie theater stuff to do his gigoloing. And he basically is like, I can give you a safer place to do this. So that's takes care of all the male people that come into the, the gas station, so to speak. Um, and they all end up going, the, the black guy is actually a writer. He's trying to get a script, uh, approved or whatever. And somebody buys his script. Um, David Cornsworth's character gets cast in the lead role. Um, it's a very good little, like short, it's seven episodes, uh, mini series on Netflix. I do recommend it if you're interested in that time in Hollywood. There's Man. a ton of great there's a ton of great actors in it. Um, Shelton from Big Bang Theory plays a gay uh, Hollywood agent. I heard about this show. Um, now that you mentioned yeah, it, I've heard about him on that. It's it's good. I think it came out like I think it came out pre pandemic or during the pandemic. Um, but it's it's very good. It's very entertaining. Um, it's good like background show and uh, yeah, I just I do recommend it. Um, okay. Corn sweat's pretty good. But uh, the black dude is fucking incredible, and he's really, really good. Um, I was really nice. impressed with him, and pretty much all the acting all around is really good. You'll see a million people you've seen in other things, like tons of famous people. Um, so, yeah, definitely recommend. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more later when we talk about him and his epic casting that you called. I call this your Kanye West moment because you did the same with <laughs> Kanye West. So so until until then, let's get into the news. And it's not a new segment without the trailer roundup. A couple of trailers I wanted to talk about. Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, Netflix series, or Peacock, I think. I can't remember what else. Peacock. Peacock. Um, horror movie based off the video game, which I had no idea what this is about. I guess yep. it's kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese-like uh, horror movie where they go into this room and these robots, animatronics, come to life and start doing a menacing uh, chase around the around this room whatever the hell it's called um yeah it looks good i mean i don't know i don't know anything about it the uh josh hutchinson who was in hunger games he was in bridge of terabithia he's in a whole bunch of shit um he's the star of it matthew lillard from the scream movies is in it um so yeah i don't know i don't know about this i didn't know anything about it going in so we'll see um big trailer reveal this week did you end up watching i know you try to avoid of course trailers. it is I usually watch the first one or two. I mean, I know the story of this, so I'm not really concerned about right. spoilers. Yeah, yeah. So this one I don't really care about. It's mostly like comic book movies, stuff like that. I try not to watch right. every trailer that comes out. But like just regular TV spots, I'll watch. We're both fans of the first Dune. So Dune yep. Part 2, the full trailer came out this week. Looks great visually. Um, don't know. I don't know where the story, if it's going to be like yep. the original movie towards the end. I don't know. Um, kind of hint, kind of hinting to that a little bit. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, the, part the story is the story, so the story is going to remain the same. The only problem is in the first one, they did it all in like a two-hour movie. Yes. And this really, I mean, they did it. They did do a Dune miniseries, but I think it was like the early 90s. Um, so 
it really should be told through a miniseries because you could do a lot more, especially nowadays, um, and with how popular miniseries are. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this. I loved the first one. Danny Villeneuve is an incredible director. Uh, I still can't. I still can't figure out how that first movie got nominated for every award and he didn't get nominated for director. Hmm. Um, outside of the fact that they were just waiting and just like giving it to him this time, they just assumed he would be able to get into the race. But I mean, it's nominated for like ten or eleven uh, Oscars, and one of them is not director. Like what? <laughs> Which is yeah. pretty nuts, but yeah, I really can't wait for this. Yeah, it looks good. So let's get into the rest of the news. Uh, Brooke today, wrestling fan from the 90s. You knew about uh, Darren Drozdoff. I think we talked about it on the show when we talked about yep. um, the the, docu- the documentary that came out in the 90s. Um, Dark, Dark. I always want to say it's Dark Side of the Ring, um, Beyond the Mat. Yep. Um, Darren Drozdoff was in that. He met, he meets up with uh, Vince McMahon in, the, in that movie, and the whole, he's gonna puke. He's yep. gonna puke. Well, that's draws. He used, to, he used to make himself be able to throw up on yep. cue. Yeah, that was his thing. Well, he ends, up getting, injured. He ends yeah. up getting injured in the ring by D'Lo Brown in the in like 1999, and he gets paralyzed. And he's in a wheelchair for the next 20 years, and he and he died today. He was 54 years old. Yep. Um, yeah, he was in a wheelchair. His uh, his wheelchair was custom made yep. by the owner of Under Armour, who was his best friend in college. Yep. I think they were college roommates. Yeah. Um, he was part of the, the new Legion of Doom in 1998. That's where he got his start. Um, yep. And he was a replacement for uh, Road Warrior Hawk. Um, Who is so, yeah. going through alcohol problems. Yep. yep. R.I.P. to, to Draws. Um, yeah. A career that had gone way too soon. Um, and yep. he was He was a proponent for para, paraplegics. Um, he did a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, talking for, about that. He did a lot of interviews on WWE television about that. I remember after the accident, he was on there quite a bit, um, talking about it and talking about being paralyzed and the and the drawbacks of wrestling and the injuries are real and all that type of stuff. So, um, rest in peace to him, and rest in peace to Alan Arkin. Um, yes, all this. He was in Edward Scissorhands, Little Miss Sunshine, Argo. Um, get smart. He's 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 been in a lot of great comedies recently, in his later later years. Um, yeah, great actor. He passed away today as well at the age of eighty nine. So R.I.P. to him. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is no hard feelings with the top of the box office opening day last week. However, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse swung back into the first place after the se- after two weeks or three weeks in in the box office. Bringing in another nineteen point three million dollars last weekend. Yep. The, the Elemental movie brought in eighteen point four six million, and the Flash had a seventy-two week drop. Seventy-two percent. Seventy-two percent week two drop of fifteen point twenty-six million, which is being called a failure by every Snyderverse person in the world by every critic it's in the just world. a failure in general <laughs> it's not um, even a superhero thing. Yeah. it's a movie failure it's a failure yep. of every proportion that you could even imagine um unfortunately it was a very very good movie if you love those types of movies it was a good movie but the hype of the movie and the bad hype of the movie the cgi think- the bad word mouth that happened before i think ruined it plus the james gunn effect where why yeah. give a shit about these movies when you already know there's a new universe in the horizon? So and the hype had died down significantly since the Super Bowl commercial. Right. If they had dropped that Super Bowl commercial 
as like the first trailer and it came out like a month later i think it would have been fine but it came out at a time when other movies that were also going to be very popular um came out and also the movie theater business isn't like it used to be right. people now wait for streaming uh the average movie goer goes like twice a year yeah so yeah. i mean yeah it's nuts yeah it's a crazy time for movies um Movie theaters are shutting down a lot of them. Um, I know some Regals around here have shut down. Ours hasn't. Yeah. Ours is pretty. Our, ours is pretty busy a lot of the time, especially Friday it's and also Saturdays. The only theater in the around. area. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, Indiana Jones last night. I wanted to bring this up. Did did have a huge opening night preview. Seven point two million people. Good. Dollars. Um, yeah, it is a great movie. We'll talk about it at the end. Um, Bad Bunny officially dropped out of the Spider-Man spinoff, Al Muerto. We talked about it last week. I was taken off the schedule. He's dropped out of it. Um, there were rumors that they're trying to recast it. I don't think this movie's going to go anywhere now that he's gone out of it. I think it was just a passion. He was the only reason why. He's the only reason. Yeah. yeah, the only reason they gave him they gave him the plenty plenty of characters to choose from, and he chose one obscure one. Very mad, bad move on Sony, and that's why Sony does bad business decisions as far as her movies are concerned. Spider-Man movies, I should say. Um, we talked last week about the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse um, and the Beyond the Spider-Verse and how there may be a delay. Um, several animators are claiming that they've worked under unstainable conditions, very bad conditions, um, rushed conditions. Amy Pascal has gone on to say, well, you're working on a movie. Suck it up, Buttercup. That's pretty much what she said. Uh, and you know Amy Pascal, Amy Pascal, the old uh, cheerleader of Sony over there, Sony's uh, Sony's Marvel Studios, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, everybody is saying the writing's on the wall for this movie to be delayed um, to give more time because they obviously across the Spider Verse was such a huge movie. They want it to have the same potential of that movie, um, and they don't want to rush it, which is probably a good thing. It just sucks that. There was such a cliffhanger on that movie. We have to wait so long. Yeah. And usually, on, on a most animated movies, it takes about seven years for a Pixar movie to be built from beginning to end. So, figure that out. Um, San Diego Comic-Con. Major studios are dropping out. We already talked about Marvel dropping out. In addition to Marvel, Disney, and Lucasfilm, uh, HBO, Sony Pictures... And Universal and Netflix are all leaving as well. Paramount Pictures and uh, I think Amazon. And there's one one other one that's going to be there as well. Um, I know Paramount's doing... Oh, I think uh, DC's going to be there, I believe. I think uh, James Gunn's planning on doing his... We'll see. They should They should we'll reveal Lex, Luth, Lex Luthor at uh, Comic-Con. We'll but, talk yeah. about we'll talk about that in a little in a little bit of why we think the announcement on DC happened. Because there was a big DC announcement that happened this week, which should have happened at this Comic-Con. But maybe that's yep. why it happened early, because maybe they are they are dropping out of it. But yeah, everybody's dropping out of Comic Con at this at this point. It's it's kind of it's kind of a shell of what it usually is every time this year. So it sucks. I was really looking forward to this year, all the news coming out. But um, Directors Guild members um, are, are are ratifying a new film and TV contract. Eighty seven percent are voting in favor of it. I also saw that I didn't write it down that the Screen Actors Guild. I think there was 400 prominent actors that wrote a a uh, draft or of uh, of I guess protest or something that that they that they want they want their rights. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they're getting ready to vote on that. I think it's coming up. I thought it was the end of June, so maybe it's, maybe it's this weekend. 
Um, they're getting uh, they're getting ready to do the Screen Actors and the AFTRA after, um, vote soon. So that will suck if Hollywood will be shut down if those go those go out of business as well. So we'll see. Um, speaking of shutdowns and movies, Turner Classic Movies is coming back with Spiel, Spielberg, Scorsese, and Paul Thomas Anderson um, are going in to curate the movies. Um, and they're going to bring in a new head of programming, and they're going to be preserving the mission of celebrating rich movie history. And that's the whole point of that. Turner Classic Movies was going to be shelved by the uh, by the W the WB HBO Warner Brothers brass, um, and those three directors stepped in, talking about um, yeah, classic movies are our history, and they should not be trashed. They should be part of it. Um, so we will see. Anthony Hopkins, Rebel Moon character is a robot, CGI character. I had no idea. Yep. I saw it's going to be on the cover of the Empire magazine for next week. I did see the cover; it looks really good. Um, I'm ex- getting excited about this movie too. So that is Zack Snyder's version of Star Wars. Um, great cast coming in. Anthony Hopkins for the very first time probably ever playing a CGI character. Um, very reminiscent of Star Wars. This is Zack Snyder's Star Wars movie, of course. So. Also wanted to mention in our text thread that you sent me a picture of the bear. I can't rem- I can't remember his name, but he <laughs> Jeremy looks- Allen White. Jeremy Allen White. He's going to be. They're going to be doing a movie on the Von Erichs. He's playing Carrie. Uh, uh, Carrie Von Erich or Kevin? Who's yeah, Carrie. He's Carrie. Kevin He's is Carrie. played by uh, the other guy, Zach Efron. Zach Efron. In the picture below that, I posted a picture of Zach Efron yep. with his new with his new face. Yeah, he's, he's fucking got that, huge. He's got a huge new chin now. He, he's got like yep. a Ken Barbie doll-like chin. It's real. It's a real chin. And he got, uh, and getting in an accident, he said it looks like a facelift to me or a face facial surgery of some kind. But he as well has been jacked up, and they're going to be playing these wrestlers from the Texas days of wrestling, Houston yep. wrestling, right? It's going to so. be. And then I think the three they're going to focus on are Kerry, Kevin, and David, who's the one that passed away. Um, is he the one with one leg? Or Car- who's the one no, with one Car- leg? No, Carrie Car- had one leg. Okay, I can um, David was the one that was supposed to beat Ric Flair like right, okay. the next month. And he went over to Japan and um, his stomach basically burst and he oh, choked shit. to death. Um, I just watched the documentary this week um, after I finished The Bear. Uh, there was five kids. Uh, one of them died by elect. I want to say elect. I think he was electrocuted, like hit by lightning, when he was playing in a puddle. Wow. And it's pretty much a cursed family, because um, they're all dead except for Kevin, who was the one that did more drugs and anything than anyone else. So he's the one that should have died. The other ones were mostly clean and sober outside of uh, steroid use. Um, Carrie was huge into steroids. But uh, it's going to be an interesting story. I think it's going to focus on around the time David died. Okay. Up through um, Carrie's death, probably, because well, that'd be, be probably about that'd be like a ten-year gap. Oh no, that'd be like a six-year gap, because um, David died. Then they did the big show uh, at the Cowboy Stadium in Texas, yep. and Carrie beat Ric Flair and yep. held the NWA title for like eighteen days, and then Ric Flair won it back. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, it, it does sound like a really good movie. There's a Dark Side of the Ring episode about that as well. Um, yeah. If you want to check that out. Um, community. Joel McHale was on Kelly Ripa's show talking about it and, and said that the movie is going to happen. Um, filming in 2024, Do- Donald Glover will be coming to return to, after he left the series, I think, the second to last season. Um, 
So yeah, Community, I don't know. Did you ever watch Community back in the day? I, I've seen some episodes. It's pretty good. If I were to recommend any episode, there's the very first episode of Paintballing. It was a like, epic war, like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft episode about paint, paintballing. Um, go back and just watch that one episode and you may get hooked to the show. Um, very funny. Uh, a lot of great actors in that that have been in a lot of stuff now. So, good show. Um, and of course, Chevy Chase, who has been lambasted for that show. So, yeah. Um, Tron Ares, the third Tron movie. I don't know. I don't know if you you've seen probably the first Tron, right? I've seen both of them. Yeah, you've seen the second. I haven't seen the second one yet, but I saw the first one. Um, Evan Peters coming in with Jared Leto to star in this new Tron. It's the third Tron movie from Disney. They own the rights, of course. Um, so yeah, uh, Evan Peters uh, just came off of Dahmer. Um, he's been in the X Men movies. He played Quicksilver in those. He was in he was in uh, One Division a couple years yep. ago. Dahmer um, was a uh, Ryan Murphy production, who was also the guy that's behind the show Hollywood I was talking about earlier. Oh, cool! Yeah, I like I sense. like I like Ryan Murphy stuff, but yeah, I I like uh, Peters a lot. So hopefully this movie's good. Cool. Um, Spawn movie. Jamie Foxx is always attached to it, but Jamie Foxx has there's something going on with Jamie Foxx. Nobody knows if he had a stroke. Nobody knows if he had a heart attack. He's in the hospital. He's in rehab. Um, nobody's seen him. He hasn't been. He hasn't done any interviews or nothing. So nobody knows what's going on with him. He was attached to the Spawn movie that's supposedly been happening. And now that Jamie Foxx is out of it, I have a feeling that they decided to announce it. It's in very active development. This Spawn movie, predicted for a 2025 release. Um, Bloomhouse is doing it. So uh, Spawn, um, of course, they did a movie in 1997. I want to say with. Uh, yep, it was Jay, 97. Uh, what's his name? Michael J. White. Michael J. White. Um, yeah, and John Leguizamo. So yeah, it's... Uh, the, uh, the animated Spawn movie is fucking awesome. That's what I heard. I heard it's better. Um, of course, it was the very beginning of CGI, the very first Spawn. Wasn't too, oh, many, yeah. com- wasn't too many comic book movies at the time as well. It was yeah, right that, after Batman. That Bat came Mans. out around the time... Yeah, it came out right around uh, Blade. Yeah, and, right before uh, Blade, I, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. It, was, it was R-rated too, so there was not too many of those Yeah, it came as out well. the year before. Yep. So yeah, Spawn. Uh, looking forward to seeing a live-action, very good CGI version of that. So we'll see. Um, the Boys season four delayed by the writer strike. Another another casualty of the writer strike. Um, officially announced, Ryan Seacrest will be taking over Wheel of Fortune from Pat Sajak. Um, Graham Norton's doing a UK version. There hasn't been a UK version I think in twenty five years. I read, um, and Graham Norton's coming in to do a UK version of that. Um, Stephen King posted a fir- very first image of Welcome to Derry, the It prequel series, with a wanted poster of Have you seen this man? It looks like a very haunting-looking picture of Pennywise, um, different kind of like a like big T. Different version. Different yep. version. Yeah, it looks weird. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that show turns out. I'm looking forward to it, but without without what's his name, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, I don't know how it's going to be. Um, maybe, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, John Cleese talked about "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life," a song from Life of Brian. Um, they do it on the stage show in, in uh, Broadway. Um, talking about he wants to ditch it. Um, I love that song. I watched that movie for the first time a couple of years ago, but I've always loved that song, not really looking at the context until I saw the movie. Um, you ever seen Life of Brian? You Were, were you in Python at all at, when growing up? Did you watch Python with your dad or anybody? No, I was never a big fan of those movies. Yeah, me neither. It was it was kind of uh, maybe a couple generations or a generation before us that are very much into Python. Yeah, my, my cousin who's like three years older than me loves those movies. 
Yeah, it's kind of kind of like Transformers. We're kind of on the cusp of the '80s, where a lot of stuff and, and the '70s stuff kind of we went it. past us. We, yeah, and we, and we missed it completely. But yeah, he, he's talking about ditching the song, um, not because of uh, politically correctness or anything like that, just because um, he didn't want to lean on it so much, and he's been leaning on it for the last forty years. <laughs> That's pretty much what yeah. he said. John, John Cleese is a funny guy. If you ever see. Python. Um, there's a reunion special of the Monty Python guys. I think it was on Netflix. It's a great, great thing. Um, and of course, Life of Brian and um, fuck, what's the other one? The Holy Grail. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's a great movie too. I just saw them yep. recently. Um, the Grease prequel series canceled at Paramount Plus. Uh, Pink Ladies. I didn't watch it, so I'm glad. Um, Buff Kiss renewed for season two at Peacock. With the submarine shit that happened last week. This was bad taste, bad news, bad timing, but it was all in coincidence because it was already planned on happening before the submarine went under the ocean, but Netflix is bringing back Titanic to be streaming, and the internet, internet went nuts and started complaining about it, bringing, being too soon after the loss of those submarine people last week at the site of the Titanic, and... Uh, yeah, the internet. The internet just looks for something to go after, and they and they sunk their teeth in the, in the minute they smelt blood. So that's what happened. Um, Boba, Book of Boba Fett star uh, Tamura Morrison, who played uh, Boba Fett, of course, in uh, Attack of the Clones. He played Boba Fett in that. He plays all the clones. Um, he's gonna be playing Aquaman's a live. Dad. Yep, Aquaman's dad. Um, he's rumored to be playing a live action Captain Rex in Ahsoka. I know he's a huge character in um, Rebels and uh, yeah, Rex and, is awesome. Uh, Clone Wars, so rumors rumors of him being in that. So we'll see. Um, also, rumors I haven't seen too many places, but Lucasfilm reportedly canceled Star Wars: The Acolyte. Have you heard that? I have not. I haven't heard that either. I know it's. I think they filmed it, so I don't know. I have no idea. I fucking hope they did. That's the one thing I'm really looking forward to yeah, besides Ashoka. Yeah, me too. So we'll have to wait and see if anything else pops up. There's just random articles I saw in there. Um, Chadwick Boseman getting a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2024. So, congratulations to his legacy. I know uh, I know he's wait, gone way too soon. Um, the MCU misses him terribly, especially yep. in the last Wakanda they, Forever movie. They need somebody to lead the Avengers, and it should have been him. Should have been and him. Uh, it's not happening because there's no way Spider-Man can lead them. Because um, no one's going to fucking listen to Spider-Man because... He's a kid. He's a kid. Yep. So. <laughs> um, Secret Invasion star Colby Smulders, who was in How I Met Your Mother. She's in this. She played Maria Hill. She died in the first episode. Uh, reportedly returning for the Marvels. We have no idea when the... Well, we know the Marvels are set in current time because Kamala Khan is in it. And Monica Rambeau and Miss Marvel and uh, Captain yep. Marvel is in it. So reportedly she's going to return in that, but I don't know how the hell she will unless she was a Skrull. But it takes place before this. Or, yeah, it could have been a Skrull. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So we'll have to wait and see. But it's coming up everywhere, so I don't know. Um, rumors are circulating that Ben Affleck has been spotted around the set of Deadpool 3. Potentially to reprise his role of Daredevil in in, in this movie, which is basically going to be Deadpool killing the Fox universe. I cannot wait for this fucking movie, which I guess <laughs> is almost, it's almost finished filming from what I heard today. Um, which is crazy because it hasn't been filming for that month. It's only been like a month and a half, two months, uh, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Um, but they don't have the writers behind them, so they're doing it strictly with what's on the script. Um, and maybe they're trying to get it done before the strike is, if the, if the actor strike goes on. Maybe they're trying to just rush everything double time. It could be. Which 
isn't a good idea. It's not a good but... idea. This this movie this movie could be bad, but Deadpool one and two, and I know Ryan Reynolds is a huge proponent to this movie, so I, I don't think he would want anything to come out crap right. unless he's unless he's contractually obligated to um, do it quickly. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, here's some more behind the scenes about that later, but. Um, Max Original, HBO Max, what used to be HBO Max, Max is doing a Superpower the DC Story documentary, a three-part documentary coming out on July 20th. Um, uh, should be awesome. It's narrated by Rosario Dawson, um, and it's going to be all about... Interesting the, choice. It's going to be about the history of the DC comics and movie, and the whole DC universe, pretty much, and, and it's going to end with James Gunn. Um, and his story is beginning of 85 years history of DC with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, um, navigating World War II, um, the birth of the sidekick with Robin, um, yeah, and everything. And then they're going to get into the movies, um, the first black superhero, Vertigo comics with Sandman, um, Watchmen, all that stuff. And then they're going to get into the brand new thing. Now that Marvel is doing the MCU, they want to get into the movie picture. And they want to get into that conversation, and they decide to do more movies. Um, talk about bringing in James Gunn at the end and doing this expanded universe as well. Because if you if you remember, was it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they rebooted everything. They did the new 52. They're going to talk a lot about that. So this is a lot about the comic books, the movies, and everything in DC. Looking forward to this. Three episodes. Comes out on July 20th. So we'll wait and see that. Um, big rumors. We already talked about Superman a little bit. We're going to talk about it in a, in a few minutes. But... Bill Skarsgård and Alexander Skarsgård, both up to the, for the roles of Lex Luthor in Superman Legacy. They both tested as far as the internet's concerned. Um, lots of rumors with that. Lots of news broke with that as well. Yep. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, Christian Bale turned down the Flash cameo offer, according to Kevin Smith. I did hear that inter interview last week on uh, Fat Man and Beyond. Um, where he talked about that. It wasn't really him talking about Christian Bale turning it down. He said he probably turned it down. Um... Yeah, because yeah, it's already been reported that James Gunn wanted every Batman actor. Yes. Um, and because of what Val Kilmer is going through, he couldn't get him. Um, so that's why I assume that would have been the end cameo as instead of George Clooney, yeah. is my guess. Yeah. Um, and Clooney would have been worked in some other way. Um, but yeah. But Bale's, but Bale's always said he won't come back unless Christopher Nolan right. makes another movie. And that's right. the, only reason he, the only way he would come back as Batman, so... Um, so this is the news we've been we've been hinting to at the very the very beginning of the show. Superman Legacy officially announced the cast of Superman and Lois Lane, Clark Kent and Lois Lane, David Cornsweet and Rachel Bro Bro Brozahan from uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel coming in to play those two main characters, the pillar of the DC universe. And I think it's a great yep. casting choice. I haven't seen him in too much, but he's got the look. And I need to I, I need to start doing my research. So. Um, yeah, and also remember, this is also, uh, he's going to be Superman not only in Legacy and going forward, but also in video games and any animated projects, so he could pop up in Creature Commandos just doing yeah. the voice work. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to know. Very and, exciting. And, uh, I'm excited to see who they round out the cast with. Um, who do you think would be a good Jimmy Olsen? I have no idea. It's going to be somebody five, younger. Five years ago? I would have said Will Poulter would be perfect. He's a little bit older now. Um, I one don't know. One of, the stranger, to... one of the Stranger Kids things. Uh, yeah, Stranger, stranger Things. Because they're all at the right age. Um, yeah. Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard or uh, the other gay kid. Uh, Will in the show. I can't remember his name. He's yep. gay, though. 
just came out of the closet. Um, yep. Nicholas Holt trends uh, as the fans uh, learn that he lost out the role of Superman, and he also lost the role out to Batman as well. So yeah, Nicholas, Nicholas he, uh, Holt is uh, he could still be up for. I still heard he's in the conversation for Lex. Um, but we'll see. I th- I still I think he'd be a great Lex. I would rather uh-huh. him than either of the Scars guards. I don't even know though I love that. both of them as I love both them as actors. I think I love, Nicholas Holt's I, incredible. I love um, both. I love both of the Scars guards as villains. I think they're. Um, I think they're. You should you should definitely watch Succession because uh, I think it's Alexander that's yes. basically plays Lex Luthor awesome. on the show. Um, so yeah. And I, I know James Gunn is a huge fan of Succession. Maybe that's why he that that, that makes that sense. Why could he be, brought yeah. it for a screen for a screen yeah uh, screen cast. So contest. I mean, any of those three, I'd be happy with any of them getting the role because I love Nicholas Holt as an actor. And I love the Cigars Guards also. So uh, it's going to be a fun casting. And finally, in news, gets revealed. Finally, in yes. news, um, it was it was said that Superman will be joining a world in which superheroes already exist. This was a confirmed yes. part of this whole announcement. Um, so, yeah, Superman's going to be joining a world yep. where it was supposed to be, um, supposed to be the beginning. It seems like it's going to be in the middle or maybe a year two type of story with Superman. So I don't know. I don't know where this well, thing is going to go. We kind of knew that when Gunn announced his thing to begin with, he said that Superman's getting to know who Batman is right. and Wonder Woman. Um, so yeah, uh, this is why I said, I, uh, I think the authority will probably be in this movie. Okay. Um, at least one or two of them, because I feel like they're going to be set up as like the big bad, um, anti-heroes type deal. Um, but that's just my thought. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. Yep, very exciting. So that's it for news. And it has come down to this, Kevin. We have been talking about doing this retrospective for a very long time, and we waited purposely for this week to do it. Because this Kevin's- is allegedly... The last movie he's scoring, yep. allegedly. Is, uh, Dial of Destiny was John Williams' last movie, so we want to do a retrospective on John Williams. The career of John Williams. 91 years old, still doing it. Uh, in fact, when they did the premiere of Dial of Destiny, he did a surprise for the audience after they watched it. Before they watched the movie, he came out, and he did a orchestral playing of Indiana Jones. He did it right in front of the audience after the movie. I, I believe it was after the movie. Um, and they all came out for the round of applause, and the curtain went up, and he was behind there with the orchestra and did the whole entire theme from Indiana Jones, did a couple of other songs, I believe. Um, still active. Um, he's been around since 1952. Um, he's been working with, with movies with, with, since 1972, big movies. I believe the very first one that I mentioned a few weeks ago was Fiddler on the Roof, which he adapted the stage screenplay, um, but he won Academy Award for it. Um, that was 1971. Um, but he also did the Olympic themes for all the U.S. games in 1984, 88, 96, and, and 2002. Um, winter and Summer Olympics, he did the themes to those. Um, he did the Poseidon Adventure in 1972. He did Earthquake and Towering Inferno in 1974. Two movies I haven't seen, but I know are very, very uh, are classic movies. And then he met, meets up with a young director, young um, up-and-coming director... And he decides to make a orchestral orchestra theme for this brand new movie about this shark that comes out on the beach in the summer in Amityville. Is it Amity? What's what's the name? Uh, what's the name of the Amityville? Movie? Amityville. Yep. I just watched this movie for the very first time a couple of years ago. 
I'm watching it this week, 4th of July. Kevin watches every 4th of July, just like he watches we Die should, Hard at Christmas. You want, to, uh, you want to review it next week? Yeah, we can do that. Give it a proper score? All right. Oh, the other movie, we'll bring it up at the end. Remind me of 4th of July next week. Yep. But of course, Jaws. Iconic theme. Very menacing. Very, uh, very horror-like. Very first time he works with Steven Spielberg. Which he has a history with after this. Of course, he's done so many Spielberg movies. But because of his history with Spielberg, in 1977, he meets up with George Lucas and does probably one of his most iconic, if not the most iconic. Thing. Star Wars. Of course, later on, called A New Hope. But this song brings you right into the movie, brings you right into space, into the space opera that George Lucas creates. And yeah, Star Wars, great fucking movie, great theme song, great, great, I think, um, I can't remember if it was the Library of Congress and somebody voted it the best, I can't remember who it was, voted voted the best soundtrack of any movie um, from, from top to bottom. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. I did read it earlier. Um, another theme he did for Spielberg, his next movie after Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1977. Iconic, those tones when the aliens come in. He did the whole entire orchestral part of that as well, that whole movie. And then in 1978, he worked with a young director named Richard Donner. And he wanted the world to know that a man... Could fly. So he created this epic theme song for what would be the very first movie based off of Superman. Honestly, this might be my favorite theme he's ever done. It may um, be. From a music standpoint, you know, I'm not even a fan of those movies, but that song, that That's theme it. is just incredible. It's so good. It brings you in, especially when it starts picking up right here. I mean, come yep. on. You believe a man will fly. You believe it. And they did it. Doesn't hold up like you said, but back in the day, I could see this being as huge as it was. Yep. So, it's just awesome. And then 1980, he returns with uh, George Lucas, and he does Empire Strikes Back. And he does this epic Vader March, Imperial March sound song, which is probably the second most iconic so Star Wars song. Darth Vader's March, Imperial March, Emperor's March, whatever you want to call it. Based off Funeral March from 1917, yep. 18, which is, a lot of things are based off this. The uh, Batman theme is also based off the same exact thing. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, his, his influence to uh, a lot of people after what he did what he did in the 80s, 70s, 90s is incredible. It's remarkable. Um, E.T., of course, another popular one. 1982. He did Raiders the year before 1981. We're going to bring that up. E.T. Another Spielberg movie. An epic Spielberg. 1983 comes back to Star Wars as Return of the Jedi. 1984 he comes comes in. Oh my god. I skipped Raiders of the Lost Ark. But we'll do that later. We're going to talk about Raiders theme and Raiders after and, uh, Indiana Jones later. Raiders is 1981. Um, Temple of Dune comes back to that in 1984. 1989 comes back, does The Last Crusade, which we, we touched on a couple weeks ago. 
Also did Born, Born in the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise, which I've never seen. I did not know that. I've seen that movie a hundred times, did not know that. Yeah, that's why I did this list, because I, I figured there'd be some movies here that we didn't know he did the themes of, that we liked. There's a, there's a couple of them coming up that I wanted to bring up, yeah. too. Yep. Um, another another movie we talk about at Christmas time. Epic! I always, I always, I always forget they did Home Alone. Yep. Chris Columbus, right? Or is this John yep. Hughes? Chris Columbus, yep. Uh, Chris Columbus, John Hughes produced. Yep. Yep. Great, great, great soundtrack. And another great underrated movie, which gets which gets shit on a lot, but I loved it. Yep. Robin Williams is, ca- is uh, Peter Pan. Hook. I love Hook. It's a fun movie. Yeah, very fun movie. And uh, uh, it gets Dustin hated Hoffman. on because it gets hated on because it was Spielberg. If any other director did it, then people would think it was just fine. But yep. because Spielberg is Spielberg, they expect more. And uh, same year that year, JFK, which I've never seen. I want to see it with, uh, with, uh, with Costner um, Costner, and a few other people. 1992, he comes back for Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. 1993, um, Jurassic Park. It's just it's just a great fucking yeah. soundtrack, great theme that song. Re- that reveal uh, of the dinosaurs when this song is playing. It's just, it's just incredible. The, what he, he brings you into the movie before you even realize it with the music. It's, yep. just, it's just remarkable what he's done. And of course, this theme is played in all the Jurassic Park movies. Um, it's kind of like the Star Wars theme. It's, it, he's done it in every single Star Wars movie as yep. well. Same year, 1993, he also did Schindler's List, another Spielberg movie. Great movie, very sad movie, of course, about the Holocaust. Um, 1997, he comes back to Jurassic Park, does The Lost World. Same year, does Amistad, another Spielberg movie, I believe, right? Yep. 1998, he comes back for Spielberg, does Saving Private Ryan, huge movie at the time. 1999, almost 20 years later, 15 years later, he comes back to Star Wars and does an epic theme song for Star Wars, Phantom Menace, when it comes back, the prequels, The Duel of the Fates. One of the first times he brings in a choir, which is amazing yep. to hear in this song, especially in the very, very end when he's when they're all fi- when uh, when Obi Wan and uh, Qui Gon are fighting Darth Maul in this place. Oh, it's just such an epic. A lot of people shit on that movie, but stuff like this you, just, just we shit on that movie. But <laughs> it's just stuff like this just brings you in. Like I want to watch this fight scene now. Yeah. It's uh, oh my god. It's also bullshit that they didn't name Episode Nine Duel of the Fates like it was originally supposed to be. Should have, yeah. That's a fucking epic name for the last Star Wars movie. A movie that I want, a movie that I wanted to bring up. I had no idea he did the score, but I fucking love this movie, The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Uh-huh. Great movie. I had no idea. He and did the Heath score. Ledger. Yep. Yeah, Heath Ledger as well. Yep. Um, Two thousand and one. His last epic theme, original theme, that people know, played for seven or eight films. Is Harry Potter. Hedwig's theme played in every single Harry Potter, beginning of every single Harry Potter film. It's just iconic with Harry Potter now. You go into the Wizarding World, you hear this song probably on loop if you were down in Orlando or in LA, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It's just amazing, amazing. He did AI the same year with, uh, with uh, Haley Joel Osment. Um, came back for Attack of the Clones in 2002, did Minority Report, 
Chamber of Secrets and Catch Me If You Can with uh, Spielberg that year. No, it was uh, Catch Me If You Can wasn't Spielberg. Who was that? Or was that Spielberg? I can't remember. Was it? I know, I, I know, the my, term, I know Minority. The, the Terminal was Spielberg, right? Yes, that, the Terminal that came out in 2004 in Harry Potter and Prisoner of Azkaban. That, uh, Harry Potter and Prisoner of Azkaban was, was the last uh, Harry Potter movie he did. He did the first three. Um, and the Terminal came out in 2004. Yeah, it was Spielberg. Did Catch Me If You Can. So he did Minority Port and Catch Me If You Can in the same year? Yep. Did he didn't... Wow, that's crazy. Well, he did a well, I mean, year. And also, like, yeah, I mean, they filmed things separate years of which they come out, so... Yeah, Spielberg was uh, in his prime. Release-wise, that was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spielberg was in his prime, too, so he's probably filming back-to-back everything. Spielberg so. only has a prime. Exactly. <laughs> the beginning end, he's still in his prime. You're right. Yeah. Um, 2005, the last... the What was to be the last Star Wars movie, Revenge of the Sith, he came back for that. War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, Munich, the World War II movie, um, Memoirs of a Geisha, which he won an Academy Award for. Um, never seen it. Never um, heard of it. <laughs> uh, came back in 2008 for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, which we talked about last week. Another movie, which I knew he did, Spielberg movie. I don't know if you've seen this, an animated movie called The Adventures of Tintin. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen it, but I knew it was Spielberg. It is a great fucking movie, Kevin. I recommend that. It's, it's probably one of my favorite animated movies. That's how, that's how, much, uh, oh, uh, really? how much I like it. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, 2012, another movie which I love history. I've never seen Lincoln. I know Spielberg did that as oh, well. Oh, you haven't? It's uh, not that good. Well, that's why I, I hear. It wasn't that's for me. It wasn't, it wasn't the time in life in which I thought a movie about Lincoln like should... I don't know. It yeah. just wasn't for me. And it's yeah. also like three and a half hours. That's that's what I that's everything you just said is why I haven't watched it. I've heard that yeah. in the past. So, um, of course, came back for Star Wars is the sequel series, uh, Force Awakens in 2015. BFG, another great movie. If you've never seen the Big Friendly Giant, um, 2016 Spielberg movie. Um, 2017 came back for another uh, Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. 2019, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Um, talked about it last year. The Fablemans in 2022 did the Obi Wan show on Disney Plus as well. And then he did what would be the final Indiana Jones movie in 2023, The Dial of Destiny. Yes. Might as well get right into it. Dollar Destiny spoiler review. If you have not seen the movie, skip this part. We are going to break down this movie pretty thoroughly because I did a lot of notes today driving in the car. Um, don't recommend driving and texting or driving and writing, but I, that's where I do my best thinking, talking and texting. So let's get into it. Playing that theme, talking about John Williams, that undescribable nostalgic feel when you first watch this movie and you hear the theme play. Um, you start to see the Lucasfilm logo. Uh, show up on the screen. You see the Paramount logo show up on the screen. The opening chords of John Williams' score. You're right, right to the title credits. You just brought into this movie nostalgically right from the very beginning. Um, of course, we mentioned directed by James Mangold. Um, Spielberg was to direct this movie. Dropped out in 2020. Uh, Mangold, Mangold stepped in to take his place. Um, he dropped down to uh, do the Fablemans once yep. his parents passed. Um, exactly. That was the story. He's uh, he, he wanted to do the Fablemans for about 20 years, but. He didn't want to do it with his parents alive. Yeah. Um, 
Mangold has said that uh, it became really important to him to figure out how to tell him make this movie about the hero at his sunset. About India being old. Instead of making it a joke about Indiana Jones being old and making old jokes like they did in um, Crystal Skull. You're an old man. You're, you're, you're too old to do it. He wanted to make yeah. it look like... What would Indiana Jones look like in his Twilight years? And that's basically what the movie is about. It was made on a $295 million budget. The highest um, of the Indiana Jones movies. One of the highest budgets of any movie, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, and the very beginning is a world is intro to World War II. The very first 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the movie. Where you see an Indiana Jones in World War II, 1944. Using it was the end of the war, right? Uh, very, it was like very, very it just ended. It's when the allies. Yeah. It's when the allies were coming in with the planes and they were starting to bomb Germany. Um, and you see a deep faked uh, Harrison Ford coming back with a grisly old Indiana Jones voice. But you see a deep deep fake, which looked great. Um, Disney did the best thing when they hired the guy who did um, Luke Skywalker. Luke, uh, the the redo of Luke Skywalker, yeah, not the, the original. The redo. Luke the original. Yeah. Which. It sucks that the technology wasn't there when they did uh, Solo, because that would have been awesome if they could have got Harrison yep. Ford to do Solo and oh, deepfake him. But that also, it would have cost them like $400 million yep. to deepfake yep. him for an entire movie. Yep. Um, but the deepfake in this first 20 minutes I thought looked incredible. Um, like yeah, I it said, looked really the, good. The, the sound was a little off, because you, you still had the gr grisly old voice of um, Harrison Ford. Yeah. But you had the look of the old air Harrison Ford, which was pretty spot on. There, was, I, there wasn't too much uh, CGI problems I had with it. Nope. Um, I thought it looked good. Um, and it was a return to the classic pulp Indiana Jones. Um, trying to bring back that feeling made in the 80s trilogy. Um, in contrast to what this movie uh, ended up becoming towards the... A little bit after this, and the main plot of the film. Um, you see the Nazis come back. Like I said last week, or the week before. Nazis equal ratings, as far as Indiana Jones is concerned in my book. Um, you see a train... You see the Allies raiding it. You see uh, bombs coming down and bombing the train, bombing the bridge, and the train crashes. Um, always, every time I see a train and I think of Indiana Jones or Spielberg, I always get that feel, um, especially after watching The Fablemans now. Um, and then after that, the movie goes into 1969, NYC, New York City, and uh, right after the moon landing, set in a more... Uh, a more uh, more gritty time in New York. Um, you see, you see an Indiana Jones who is old, disheveled, um, looks poor. Looks like he's living in a poor lifestyle in an apartment in the middle of New York City, which is very weird to see. But um, it's the very first time you hear modern music in an Indiana Jones movie. Now, the reason for that is Indiana Jones is now in the '60s. Before it was in the '30s and '40s, there was no commercial music really. Uh, didn't really become commercialized until Elvis and the Beatles. So 1969, and of course, the very first music they play in the movie is Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. So 1969, you're going right into that time. You're seeing that for the very first time, music being played in the Indiana Jones movie. I thought it worked well. Um, the cast of this movie, we'll talk about it a little bit. Toby Jones, um, he played Dobby in Harry Potter. He played, and he's been in a whole bunch of stuff, but he played Professor Shaw. He was Jones' uh, friend in the 1944 uh, train robbery. Um, he was a professor who ends up finding this dial of destiny, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, and there's a little falling out between them. Um, his daughter, grown up, Phoebe Walder Bridge. I haven't seen her in anything else. I, I know she's in a, a TV show. I can't. Uh, Fleabag or something. You know. You know she wrote No Time to Die. Oh no, shit! I didn't know that. 
I, I was looking at the IMDb because I was the same thing. I know I'd seen her and stuff, but and I knew the name. And yep. I looked her up, and she wrote the screenplay to No Time to Die. Yeah, she played Helena Shaw, India's, India's granddaughter. Muskrat is what he calls her. Um, Mad Mickelson, who is in Rogue One, um, which, uh, I mean... Rogue and uh, One, he calls her Wombat, not Muskrat. Not, yeah, Wombat, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he plays a old German... Sci- not scientist. I guess he is a scientist. Yeah, because he works for mm-hmm. NASA in this. Um, he's a Nazi, a reformed Nazi uh, sympathizer who comes in, works for NASA, and creates the rocket program or the moon landing. And this whole beginning of this uh, 1969 flashback um, shows the moon landing, um, and he's the one that created the rocket. Now, this is based off of fact, the fact versus fiction of this. Um, after World War II, they brought in a lot of Nazis to do uh, stuff behind the scenes in America, do a lot of... Uh, um, scientific things brought him in to do a lot of behind-the-scenes things for the CIA and the government. And that's a real, real true thing. So they brought that into this movie a little bit with this character, uh, Jurgen Voller, who uh, Mad Mickelson played. He created the NASA rocket. He's looking for an artifact, and we'll get to that in a minute. He has a henchman from Logan, the Logan villain Boyd Holbrook. I've seen him in a whole bunch of stuff since yep. then. Um, he's he uh, probably going to be in. He's probably going to be in uh, Swamp Thing, which Mangold's directing. Wouldn't be surprised if he is Swamp Thing. That's just a guess because he's in, he's in a few Mangold movies. So I'm gonna mark that down as a Kevin, <laughs> a, a Kevin prediction. I like that one. Um, John Reese Davies as Sala coming back for a very quick scene, but it's very funny how they play yeah. it in this movie. Um, he was he he immigrated over to the United States with the help of Indiana Jones. He's now a taxi driver, which if you know anything about the the stereotype of taxi drivers in New York City, they're usually Muslims. They're usually <laughs> driving taxis through the city like Sala. So, make I think it kind of makes sense uh, in a uh, weird way. Um, Antonio Banderas plays a little very small role, uh, yes. significant significant role um, as Didn't a sailor him at first as a sailor diver. Um, a friend of Indiana Jones from the past um, helps him go down and find this second part of the Dial of Destiny. Doesn't he like call him the Frogman or something because of how yep. he di- because of his diving? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and he also he also get explained Mutt's absence, uh, Shia LaBeouf's absence yes. in the movie. Um, in a very dramatic scene. Very dramatic scene on the boat. He's talking and he says that Mutt to displease Indiana Jones enlists in the army and dies in the end on. Um, I think Shia LaBeouf uh, shot him, shot him, shot himself in the foot when he was talking shit because he could have been a part of this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just. I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was great in that movie, in Crystal Skull. I know a lot of people. Kind well, of, yeah, he's he's a good actor. So he's a good actor. Yeah. Um, but the movie is called The Dial of Destiny because it's based off a real life dial that was found in a ship, just like it was, just like the, in a shipwreck, just like the movie. It's an gr- ancient Greek hand-powered analog computer, one of the very first from 2,000 years ago. Um, it's used. It was used to predict astronomical positions and eclipses decades in advance. Um, it used to be it be used to track the four-year cycle of Olympic Games. Uh, it was a very very strange thing. Um, in the movie, it's totally different. Yeah. It's a time travel object. Um, it's, it was made by Archimedes in the movie. Um, it was split off into two halves because they didn't want the two halves to be together because it would create trouble in the world if, if somebody bad had their hands on it, of course. So they have to. They have, they found one. Indiana Jones has that piece. The other one is lost under sea. That's where the diver, that's where Antonio Banderas comes in. So they have to go under sea and find the other half, bring them together, 
And this device is there to try to find fissures in time. Try to find breaks in time. Uh, the Toby Jones character, uh, Professor Shaw, has figured out that there are times in history where this, where, where these um, fissures are taking place, where they show up, um, and there's a time, a couple days after the, at where they, where they're talking about this, a couple days later, where there's a time where they're going to be able to go into 1939. Mad Mickelson's character is trying to go back in time to right Hitler's wrongs in World World War Two, yep. and become the new leader of the Nazi regime. Yeah, he has a line like, in the movie where he says. Uh, you, you didn't win the war. Hitler lost it. Yep, exactly. Which um, is actually very true, because Hitler yeah. decided to try to take over more than he could at the time, and that's what screwed him. So Mads Mikkelsen wanted to go find this fissure, go back in 1939, right Hitler's wrongs either by killing him or taking over or doing something. Yeah, he and, wants to uh, kill him. And kill him, pretty much, yep. Um, so, yeah, of course the movie's all about time travel. We talk about it all the time. I love time travel movies. I thought they did a great epic depiction of this. Um, and the epic, the, the destination where this movie ends up going, that feeds into Indy's personal archaeological journey from the very beginning of this, was incredible. Um, the very beginning of the movie, it tar- starts talking about a city called Syracuse in Greek, uh, in Greece, I mean, and uh, talks about Archimedes and being a great um, um, inventor, uh, developing a lot of uh, techniques to protect the city. Um, that haven't were never seen. This was two thousand years ago, mind you. So there's a lot of mechanical stuff that it's just incredible and remarkable for the time. Um, so they get the two parts together, and he gets on a plane. Mad Mikkelsen is dressing up like a Nazi so he can go back into 1939. But the temp, the uh, continental drift, which happens, uh, con- the continent drifts after over time. So the fissure that he thought was going to send him into 1939 actually sends him back two thousand years. To the siege on Syracuse, um, which Indiana Jones talked in the very beginning, where Archimedes first developed this uh, this dial of destiny, and they go back in time. Indiana Jones is a time traveler now, and uh, Indy and Indy and uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, who's there as well, um, they end they end up going off of the plane. The plane crashes. Mad Mickelson dies in the past with the plane crashes. Um, and the very end, Indiana gets Indiana Jones gets shot by Mad Mickelson, um, and he wants to just he wants to stay back in time. He wants to he, he his decision is to stay behind. He doesn't want to go back with Phoebe Waller Bridge. Um, by the way, didn't even mention this. The short round character that we briefly mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, eyebrow, eyebrow, brand new name. I love it. We're gonna keep that eyebrow, <laughs> short round, and eyebrow. Eyebrow is following them in with a plane. So there's already a backup way of escaping after the plane crashed. So Eyebrow comes in and he's going to save them, but Indiana Jones refuses to go. He wants to stay behind. And I thought at this point, well, this would be a shitty ending to the movie if Indiana Jones stays back in time. And then yes, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge punches Indiana Jones out, and the and the scene goes black. Then he ends up waking up in New York City in modern day. He ends up going back home. Thought it was great that they did that. If he got lost in time, yep. I thought that would have been horrible. Um, obviously, it would have been ramifications for fucking up with time, fucking up with uh, history. Um, it's that whole butterfly effect thing. I think it would have. I think it would have been horrible to do that. Already, already going back in time. Also, 
or I didn't think about, I didn't mention this either. Um, they go into a tomb and they see Archimedes' tomb. In the tomb, there's a watch, a wristwatch that he was holding. And of course, 2,000 years ago, there were no wristwatch. Um, it's a very modern wristwatch from the 1930s, 1920s. Um, ends up being Mads Mikkelsen's character's wristwatch. Um, when he dies, he ends up picking it off of his corpse, and he's and Archimedes is holding yes. it. And he keeps it, and he ends up burying it with himself. So I thought that was really for, cool. Um, for a brief second, I thought they were going to do. Uh, did you ever see the movie Timeline back in the day? Oh yeah, I love with that movie. Uh, okay, yep. I thought they were going to do the Timeline thing where Indiana Jones realizes that was actually his tomb because oh, when he meets great. Archimedes, when they meet Archimedes. Um, Archimedes kind of like takes like a like like uh, a liking to him kind of like it looks like he was like kind of like so maybe like that would have been his tomb I thought that's where they might have been going with it I'm glad they didn't because I think the way they ended it was absolutely fucking perfect I thought it was great too yeah like I mentioned the ending is great he goes back home of course he's been shot and they've been mending him uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge he's back at his own at his house um, and an eyebrow is there of course and uh, and Karen Allen has a cameo as Marion coming in. They, in the beginning, I didn't mention this either. They were divorced because of Mutt. She was uh, trauma, tra- in trauma from uh, from Mutt dying His in death. Vietnam War. Yep. Um, so they broke up. They were getting divorced. And, uh, it wouldn't have been Vietnam. It would have been uh, the Korean War, right? Maybe it was Korea. I, I heard, it, it I heard Vietnam. It would have been the 60s. I heard Vietnam. Okay. But yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, you're right. I, I, time I'm terrible with history. Just, so. It doesn't make sense. Um <laughs> Unless it happened, maybe it happened recently. If it happened that year, it could have been Vietnam. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Karen Allen, she came back as Marion. Um, her and Indy's story kind of uh, culminated in this point um, where they reconciled. She, and she looks old as shit. Very, very old. Reconciled, After watching uh, Crystal Skull. Recon- reconciled, <laughs> embraced, kissed, and the movie kind of ended there. Um, I thought it was a good conclusion to Indiana Jones' story. Um, I thought for what they could have done, like I mentioned, if they fucked it up and, t- and Indy got lost in time, I, I think I would have hated the ending. But the way it ended, and of course, uh, the very last scene is uh, they're about to they're about, about to go to black, and Indy goes in and grabs his hat right as, right as the camera's going black. It was, ha- it was hanging up on a clothesline outside, and Indiana Jones grabs the hat. Um, and that's the very last thing you see in the movie. And they do the, uh, the classic uh, cir- circle closing on it. Yep, yep. Um, will this franchise continue? I mean, there have already been rumors of uh, spinoffs. Uh, I know they've been canceled in recent time, especially now that the box office is kind of screw- screwy. I don't know what this movie is going to end up bringing in for uh, numbers. Um, but do you think... I know Indiana Jones... Uh, Harrison Ford's done with it, as far as he says. Yep. Um, I mean, the guy's 81 years old. So. Yeah. But he did... I got to tell you, he did an incredible job. They, they, made, him look, the, they made him look incredible. For his it age. actually looked like he was trying for the first time in years. Yep. Sounded great, even though he still had that old raspy voice. I thought he was great, okay, very good. I can't wait to see this movie again. I, 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 yeah. I really can't. Um, I'm gonna give it a four and a half. I, I think I've given all three of my favorite Indiana Jones movies four and a halfs. Um, I thought it was incredible. I, I, it was really good. I, I love the ending. Um, better than better than Crystal Skull, and I love Crystal Skull, so that tells you. Um, yeah. What do you think? Four. four um, perfect. I liked it a lot. Uh, I gave uh, Last Crusade. Made a four and a half, I believe. I think it gave Raiders a five. Um, this movie is very good. I want to watch it again. Um, but I thought it overall just concluded his story uh, yep. very well. Um, like you said, um, if you got lost in time, I think that would have been a bad choice overall. Um, good choice. 
Very good choice to do what they did. Yeah. Um, and I think it might be a little d- divisive, the ending, um, actually going back in time. Um, but at the same time, I love time travel. Um, so I didn't mind that at all. And I thought it was cool how they did the whole continental shift. Because um, that's something I wouldn't have thought about if I were to get a time machine right. and go back in time. Yeah, very very smart. I, I like the time travel mechanics in this. I mean, we talked about the Flash a couple weeks ago. Time machine, yeah. time travel mechanics of this is based off of what we already know. I mean, it's obviously yeah. a not a real life thing, but we kind of have in our mind what time travel would be. What I mean, based off of Back to the Future, whatever you want to say, Terminator, yeah. whatever. We already know the consequences. We already know that kind of it's 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 burned into our brain. Yeah, fucking with it too much messes up messes a movie up, and I think this movie kind of living off of that is great. And I think. Um, yep. I, I, I loved it. I love time. And also, the uh, the chase scene was yeah. awesome. Great. Uh, those little like golf cart things that they were driving mm-hmm. through the streets. It was it, that scene was a lot of fun. The the, the chase scene in, in New York City was great too. During the parade yep. scene, I thought that was great too. Yep. Great movie. Great fucking movie. Uh, highly recommended. I wish more people would see it, but the fucking press went nuts on it. So a lot of people are shitting on it before they even fucking see it, which sucks. But that's just the way the world is now. Um, that's the way movies are now. So. So that's our review. Uh, next month, next week, show and tell, very first of the month. We wanted to bring up that so we don't forget. Show and tell. I'm going to play a movie song game. going to bring up some movie songs, uh, talk about uh, top movie songs. We'll talk about that later, next week. Secret Invasion, going to continue watching that, episode 3. July 14th, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part 1. We're going to continue our Mission Impossible watch in the next couple of weeks to get to that point. Uh, July 20th, DC Story, which we brought up earlier. 21st, Oppenheimer. Probably the one thing I'm looking forward to this month is Oppenheimer with Christopher Nolan, um, yep. Killian Murphy. That, that and Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. And I've already heard about Mission Impossible ending basically like across Spider-Verse did where it's just a half a movie. <laughs> uh, well, that sucks. Um, also, the 21st, which we're not going to watch is Barbie, but it'll, be, it'll probably be annihilated by Oppenheimer, I'm hoping. And it's I doubt it. Barbie's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Oppenheimer's rated R. And the 28th, another movie I'm looking forward to, just because of the lead actor, Lakeith Stanfield, is The Haunted Mansion by Disney. I cannot wait for this movie. It looks good. Every trailer I've seen looks good. So Lakeith Stanfield is a great actor. Um, of course, in Atlanta, he's in yep. Get Out or one of those movies. So, yep, yeah, he is in Get Out. Wait. I can't wait. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, I think we had a good show this week. Um, after all the technical shit that we had last week, we're doing pretty good. We got done about the same time, a little bit, a little bit earlier than last week. So thanks for listening. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Peace. Peace.